These people did not call him General or King. They called him Kukul Khan, the Feather Serpent God. Killing him will risk eternal war. We need a lot of water. That's that's going to be the theme of this this episode. Hydration is important, folks. Yes. If you don't drink water, you will die. Or you'll become very dry. And that's... Uh, <laughs> uh, I didn't know how else to start Black this. Panther! Black Panther! Yes. Welcome to the Wages of Cinema, everyone. Welcome back. It's been a while. Yeah. Uh, why it's been a while? Uh, long story. And it's a bore... And actually, no, it's not long. We were just busy. <laughs> uh, yeah... And bored and busy. We are busy, lazy. This is an episode for Lyle Lyle Crocodile while we're waiting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I, I should have done an episode on... Uh, uh, oh, God. What was that uh, That movie? Uh, yeah, I can't beat Lyle Lyle Crocodile. That's actually a good one. <laughs> All right, Andrew, wake up. We're talking... Uh, oh. Wakanda forever. Oh, uh, this, uh, I was kind of so, looking forward to this film. Oh, because of... Uh, oh, but we should introduce everyone. I'm Jack. I am Trash Panda Corey. Trash Pandan? Oh, I'm Andrew, but you knew that. And? I'm guest uh, Matt. Yes, Matt from Under the Sea. Or, actually, you don't look like you would be Under the Sea. I could have risen from the depths. <laughs> You do have a lot of depths. Um, but I'm sorry, Andrew, what were you just saying? I was looking forward to this film because the first Black Panther was so good. Yes. Uh, and even though Chadwick Boseman died, yeah. uh, it still seemed to have a lot of promise from what I saw in the trailers. Yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. unusual because usually when I see trailers and I have no idea what the movie is going to be about, uh, then that kind of worries me because I like to kind of figure out what the whole story is. But it's uh, yeah. They kept a lot of things pretty close to the chest in the trailer. Like you basically knew, okay, there'll be uh, Kukul Khan, you know, the feather serpent god. Yes. Um, it, but, AKA but basically, Namor. the trailer said like the trailers laid out the theme so well, and uh, I like to say that it, this movie did not disappoint. No, it's 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 a good movie. It's it's a good movie that. Um, if the one thing I might come back to more than once, and I'll, I'll try not to beat it over the head, a good movie that is just a little too long. Eh. <laughs> In my opinion, a, mo- a good movie can't be too long. I, I think that it's, it's, not, it's not even... so. It's, but I think the thing is that when you have such a long movie, that long movies can absolutely earn their length. They, they, they do all the time. We've seen Marvel movies previously that have done that and this mostly justifies its length um the reason why i put the mostly qualifier is just because by the time you're like things are starting to wrap up there's a there's a part of me thinking can we wrap things up a little sooner like can we start getting things moving because it's just this movie has a lot of plot that was my thought watching it and it's a good plot but it's just Characters are having to do so, say so much, and do so much to keep these beats forward. And if I had one 
little, well, not little, but like one criticism difference between this and the first movie. I thought the first one had a more of a tighter arc for its characters. And this one, it, it took a little bit more effort. That's true, yeah. But I would challenge you to choose something that you could take out of this film. I think, and have it be the same quality. I think uh, as much as I like him, and he was kind of like, like, as much as he's like the secret weapon of good of humor in the first movie, like some of the stuff with Martin Freeman, I thought dragged the movie a little bit. Maybe as Everett Ross, but basically everything he does uh, pushes the plot forward. Um, it does in some parts, yeah. I mean, it's just, but it's it just feels the only like thing that's almost unnecessary is the sort of last two scenes he's in. But you kind of do have to wrap him up, more or less. Yeah, I, but I think you could have rewritten it to where he's in the movie a little less and still has a good function in the story. You could have just removed the King of Useless White Boys altogether. <laughs> I, I didn't say he was useless. I that's what the comics say. <laughs> I think this movie was too long, actually, even though I am the queen of the movies are too long. I will say, I liked this movie. I thought that the kind of interpersonal drama worked really well. I thought the character stuff was great. I thought the actors um, were great top to bottom. I will say, though, it did bother me a bit that in a two hour and 40 minute movie there's basically a non-resolution to the plot it's not bad it's just non-existent and by that i mean nothing about the villain's grievances in the film are addressed by the end of the film there's a complete like non-engagement with the villain's motives goals, etc. Like, the plot just ends because the movie's already uh, two and a half hours long, so it has to end. I disagree. <laughs> Not because I dislike you. <laughs> I think basically the pro- I, it's, yeah, nothing really changes. The only thing that really changes is the villain's mind. Yeah. And since we're dealing with a much more sympathetic villain who has legitimate grievances and has legitimate fears you uh the goal is not really to kind of change that it's a kind of change his mind and change his perspective i think but the movie doesn't sell that to me it doesn't yeah i don't think it's so much changing the villain's mind as the leaving things on the table to be fleshed out in future movies yeah that's that, that, yeah. that that's the matt you that's what i was gonna want to try to say and you said a little more succinctly it's it's that feel where it it's a kind of serialized ending. Yeah. It's not it's left open with all of these threads and basically the filmmakers and Marvel are telling us, yeah, well we'll, we'll resolve this later, you know, stay, come back next time and you didn't necessarily have to end it that way. I felt like the last scene with Namor again, we're not going to get into spoilers yet, but on just on a very general sense that actually you could have taken that out of the movie and not lost much i don't mind that that's sort of interesting the way the black panther films are sort of set up more as like international spy thrillers kind of way so you have 
things that set up global ramifications that don't get neatly tied up in a bow. They're sort of left to simmer and, like, change the, the world surrounding right. in the background. Oh, sure. But I think maybe then also, like, the first movie, that, that they did that also a little bit better, too. I don't want to make the whole thing about this movie the first one, though, because it's, it's unfair to put everything well, on the second one. Well, let me ask you this, this question, one. then. You've said there are differences, and you've made certain contrasts. Which one do you think is the better movie? The first one or this one? First one. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, again, I, I, I'm trying, I sound like I'm coming down hard on the movie. I think it's a good movie. I, 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 I think the performances are uniformly excellent, uh, especially our new uh, and our new characters. Um, and, uh, well, you should mention what the main... Basic well, first, Matt, what was your take on the movie? Oh, yeah, sorry, Matt. Oh, yes. Um, I like this movie a lot, and I'm predisposed to like comic book movies in general, but I think that if you're not an MCU fan, it's still going to be one of the better ones to see if you are dragged to it, because it has real stakes and real emotions. Like, it's very consistent tonally. The humor is not, like, the typical Marvel humor. Like, it's there, but it's not, like, you know, it doesn't encroach on the story yeah. too much. And Unlike it does... a different Marvel film that we recently saw. Correct. Yeah. And it also, while the, it does have big stakes, they're not stakes that are too um, abstract. Think about, like, there's no multiverse stuff happening. It's all things that are directly happening. The MCU mainline continuity. It's and, funny to think of Black Panther as being the most grounded of the, of the MCU films. Yeah, yeah, with a movie where the you know we have a character that has like wings on around the ankles. Yeah, <laughs> it's about grief and legacy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and it really nails that part of it. I oh, agree yeah. with you. The tone of this movie is great. Like they really nailed it, and I really appreciated that about the movie. Yeah. So. Um, so, Andrew, what what happens in this movie? Okay, we open up. Uh, the film starts with the funeral of King T'Challa, uh, who died off screen. For yeah, mysteri- undisclosed reasons. Mysterious illness. Uh, and basically, it's about how Wakanda is still trying to protect its sort of uh, custodianship of the vibranium in yes. its land, while everybody else is looking for vi- vibranium e- everywhere else. That brings them into contact with uh, underwater people, led by Namor, uh, a man who absolutely hates the surface with a passion. Yes. And, uh, and he's the, got pointy ears. Yes, he so does. he's like an elf. He has pointy, yes, he has pointy ears. He's a uh, ancient Mayan who's, uh, you know, lived for hundreds of years. And, you know, the, the thing with the, his people is they have, like, a reserve of vibranium under the ocean... And, you know, they're basically a hidden society they don't want, you know, to be known about at the like same... Wakanda used to be. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's a little bit of the we're not so different, you or I, you and I thing. Where Namor <laughs> looks Except at... nobody says that. And no. it's true. Yes. <laughs> but basically, though, there's this... There's also a conflict around a new character... Um, and now I'm blanking on her name. Riri. Riri. Is that it? Yes. Did I miss Pope? I no. mispronounced that? Yes. Uh, and it's Riri. Uh, who's the actress? Dominique. Uh... Thorne. Yeah, Thorne. Uh, and she's this young scientist who has basically 
created this vibranium tracker. You know, the Namor wants her dead. You know, the Wakandans want to bring her, you know, into Wakanda to keep her safe. Um, and that brings these two sides together. And, you know, there's a lot of, uh, yeah, geopolitical intrigue. Um, you know, and, and what one, th- and one main thing I wanted to say that, what I really appreciate about this movie that manages to, I think, have, you know, the a, a same continuity with the first movie, the antagonist is just really fascinating. And, like, I really love both Killmonger in the first movie, and you have Namor in this movie, and you really understand them so well. And it's almost to the point where there was, like, a split... There was a moment or two where I was like, hmm, not only do I see Namor's point, like, am I almost with him for a moment? This is a strength of the franchise that both films have great villains where the audience really sympathizes with where the villain is coming from. They have understandable motives. They're the kind of villain that you understand that they're the hero of their own story and they have some good points. And they've been, you know, victims of, uh, you know, oppression (laughs) and, you know, Namor's backstory when he tells it is you know, pretty heartbreaking, you know, there's a kind of thread, I think, that kind of connects, actually, with his story, with our kind of main Wakandan story, too, involving, well, that G- the grief, you know, he, he's had a lot of loss as well. So, and I'll buy... Has and, he? Has he? Yeah. His I mean, mother died of old age. No, but then, like, the but then he and his people were basically, you know, I got the sense, though, that he... Still, he lost her somehow. No, she's basically died from being old. Mm. Okay, all right. Maybe I'm all right. All right, all right. Here. All right. It's not that important. <laughs> no, no. But there was. Some, but, he, but here's the deal. There, I, there I, was I something understand. about there was something about his motivation that I felt was, you know, very clear and you know relatable. His people were driven into the sea. That's why I was yeah. They were driven into the sea. I'm not saying that's wrong. Like, that's absolutely right. And so he and his people have this sort of... They're victims of colonization. Yes. And you know... Oh, God, but... you know what I thought of? I don't know if you thought of this all, Matt. This is like a better version of Apocalypto. <laughs> <laughs> Including an underwater birth scene that this time I don't look and go like, oh, that's really fucking stupid. This actually is like, ah, it's kind of nice. What I do want to point out is something that struck me during the middle of the film. There's a scene where Namor goes on land, um, Mm -hmm. like when he was a child. And and it really struck me how much this, that plot point and that scene resonated with elements of the X-Men. Hmm. Where it's like, it's all, I almost feel like that could have been a very, there have been very similar scenes like that in the most recent X-Men films, like the good ones, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. And where it's just like, humans oppress each other, they oppress people they think are inferior, they, they, they exploit and they, and they do all these things, and Namor, who is a mutant. Marvel's first mutant. Yes, he said, (laughs) he said so himself in the movie, he's a mutant. He comes back with his people and sees this plantation where you know all these people are being mistreated, and he, he just he just rises up like Magneto style huh. and destroys that plantation. Hmm. You know, it's it it works very well in terms of like Marvel as a whole. 
Like now, now Disney has all the other X Men stuff, and they're doing all that. That's why Namor is a mutant now. But you know, it's a very interesting thing where this film is good, but it also has tendrils that come from other properties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, I would say obviously one of the primary purposes of this movie is to establish the new Black Panther. Now, obviously, I'm not going to say who that is in the non-spoiler we'll get, yeah. section, but. I would just say this movie absolutely nails the journey of that character. And it's the, the imp- girl. <laughs> and Which one? When this character, like this character's journey to the mantle of Black Panther. Um, excellent. Yeah, and yeah. what and what's great is also when this character then, you know, puts on the suit, it's not just suddenly, you know, oh, already and done. There's still you know, a big like conflict that this character has to get through, um, through a you know one of the best scenes of the movie. And there's so, and it's it's remarkable how little Black Panther is in it. The character of Black Panther, where yeah. like, someone wearing that costume, it's like they. This film is remarkable because it really takes its time. Yeah. Not and you know it is long, yes, but it's also just like they took their time with the characters and with the plot. And they added characters in who were like, oh, we're, we're adding more. But like every character did something. Mm. And like so many films like that can feel bloated. And th- and this one does not at all. No. I mean, it is, it, it's packed. Yeah. That's the way I'd say. It's um, a big jar of peanut butter. <laughs> <laughs> and when it finally does get to where it's going, the payoff is fantastically violent. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Pre- yeah. I guess. Yeah. Pretty. Vi- yeah. Good. Damn good action choreography once again. Um, like, although, like in the first movie, this is. Some, I don't know if you felt this way, Corey, because we just rewatched the movie last night, and I, this isn't like an uncommon complaint. I know this is something that a lot of people have said online and elsewhere. Like in the first movie, the climax. There's some dodgy CGI. And this one, the CGI is better, but there's there were still a couple of moments where I was looking and like, mm, am I? I feel like I'm watching something like uh, that's I, I, that, no, a little bit like rushed. There was one character who I'm not again. I don't want to get into spoilers yet, but kind of reminded me of like Ultraman. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? I know what you're talking about. But you know, I will like, say that character does look pretty slick. I slick, but like not. It doesn't look like it's there really. Um, I don't know. What do you think, Corey? I thought the action in this movie was better than the final confrontation in Black Panther One, which, as you mentioned, like is a real eyesore on the rest of the movie. But as I said. I'm not happy with the way they resolved the um, conflict between Namor and... But it has nothing to do with the way it was staged. Mm. It was just, as Andrew said, it's a climax that involves Mm -hmm. not, like, overpowering with might, but, like, changing hearts and minds. And I don't think the movie sold Mm. the changing hearts and minds. Corey doesn't believe in hearts. But no, it's funny. I've said in other... Podcast, like I usually really like endings like that, and I said that even a bad movie like Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four sold a changing hearts and minds. Like if anything, I'm predisposed to like um, resolutions like that. But 
I think because this movie just had so much to do that I guess there just wasn't enough time to me to sell like how the conflict with the Namor like resolves itself because mm-hmm. to me it just didn't resolve itself and it was just like um okay we're done with this part of the movie now. But by almost kind of, I actually didn't mind that part so much. Like I, I kind of appreciated. Well, not like ultimately like the extra scene after that. That's what I was talking about earlier. The actual resolution, like there's, I want to say without saying too much, there's a particular montage that they put in that I, I quite like that, like cinematically, just how that kind of gives you an idea of like this character has. These characters in general have been through a lot. Yeah. And, you know, it, it it almost comes at a point of sounding like a cliche, but it's like, oh, your your life is flashing before your eyes sort of thing. And I, I, I actually thought that was emotionally effective. For but me. you're right. The actual staging of the action was better well, in this movie right. than the first Now, movie. I don't want to disparage one thing, though. This has whales, and the whales look cool. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of perked up. I agree up. with that. <laughs> Um, yeah. So I'm trying to think what else I want to say before we could... Do you have any other non-spoilery thoughts, Matt, before we... Um, I don't know. Alright, let's go into the spoiler yeah. zone. We oh, are in the spoiler zone. Yeah. If you, uh, if you haven't seen the movie, stop here. Or if you don't want to be spoiled, stop here. How will we ever get my vibranium back now? Mm, I know Doc Ock. She's probably still here trying to steal anything valuable she can get her tentacles on. Let's split up and look for her. Good idea. But if she's found, we need to try to defeat her together. Now that she's got my vibranium, she's too powerful to fight alone. If I find her first, I'll wait for you so we can catch her together. (laughs) Oh, with all my new power, I'll rule the world. Now I just need a crown. Uh-huh. Oh, now I can take anything I want. And not even Spidey and Black Panther can stop me. That's what she thinks. I'll wait here quietly until she moves. Then I'll go find Spidey to help me. Yeah, I mean, Shuri was, uh... I think we were talking about this when we were rewatching the movie so last yeah, night, last right? When I rewatched Black Panther 1, I said to Jack that I felt like Black Panther 1 maybe set up Nakia more as like a Black Panther successor versus Shuri. But this movie completely sold me on Shuri's the new yeah. Black Panther. Like Letitia Wright was incredible. Like the way they wrote her embracing of the Black Panther mantle. I'm totally into it. So even though I felt like the first movie made Nakia seem more like of the Black Panther type than Shuri, the second movie, no, I'm totally oh, yeah. Sold. Well, in the first movie, Shuri's a little bit more like, uh, almost like the Q of that of, the, yeah. of that world. And but the thing that's great about Black Panther, especially even you know the first one and this movie, is that there are so many characters in it who seem like they would be a capable Black Panther. Yeah. Like, any any one of these women who are in here could take on that mantle, and you'd believe it. Like, we focus on Shuri. She's ultimately the one who does it. She gets them, and you said it best, Corey, the, the sort of path that she takes really cements that and, and justifies it. Mm-hmm. And so, 
for a while you're wondering like, well, she's not it. End of the first act, she's still not it. Maybe it's not. There's a little bit of doubt in there. At least for me, there was. That's like I really hope she's it. Mm-hmm. But for a moment, but like for most of the movie, it was like, okay, it's up in the air. And yeah. I think, and that's pretty good on it, the it, film's part. It is, but I'd be curious if when I rewatch this again, though, if there are any little hints about it, because it does also then thematically connect also then with the first movie, as far as it being about familial legacy, because that's what this ends up becoming, you know, in part because they had to write some way out of, you know, because of Chadwick Boseman's death, there's no more T'Challa. Yeah. So they had to figure out, okay, we don't have that. How do we, you know, still have thematically a kind of link, but make it feel organic? And, you know, they took their time with it. They they teased out um, that the, the whole thing that she's, that Suri's also working on the, what, what, what do they call that? that the that part, the, Yeah, the harder. That basically the thing that gives a Black Panther their their power, right, and helps them to go on vision quests. Yes. <laughs> Did you guys really not think it was going to be Shuri? Well, I I had a feeling probably, but I didn't want to put all my chips in the basket. That's like, you know, because I was probably like seventy <laughs> percent sure. But that's not, you know, like 100%. It's not that I didn't think it would be Sherry. It just, I thought the first movie did almost like a better job of selling Nakia. Which obviously the first movie wasn't intending to do that. I'm only seeing that like with the benefit of hindsight. So it's not that. I, I, I think perhaps for me, I was seeing the ways in which the film could stumble. Because Shuri was the best choice, and every and all the while I was thinking, I hope she's it because she's yeah. the one who, who who seems most appropriate. But I like I kept thinking like, okay, they could screw it up by giving it to, to somebody else, mm. you know. And in a way, it's kind of like a, a meta thing where it's like, is this film gonna stick the landing? Because you know we've seen films just fail and do yeah. it wrong. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if they intended to do that or if that was just me being me. But uh, for for a while it was just like, I for a while I, I entertained the thought that it wouldn't. Yeah, because you know in the comics in her first appearance she already is Black Panther. No one oh. reads comics. <laughs> <laughs> well, which which era though are we talking about though? Is like, this like the new one by uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates? That's before that. Oh well, oh, wait. So she's wait, wait. So Suri's Black Panther before his run? Yes. Oh. And is that all? Does T'Challa die in the comics, or does he just pass it on? No, she. He, I'm not sure of the exact situation, but like he's indisposed at the moment, so his long lost sister that it was never referenced before. <laughs> I am Black Panther now. Oh, oh, so the comics did that shit? Yeah. Oh, well, maybe it was still good, but like that's. Of course, they do that kind of thing. Well, also, the movie now is playing. The very long game. If we're in, if we're talking like post credit scene, yeah. If we're deep in the spoilers now, let's just say like yeah. So everyone in the MCU is acquiring a kid, alive or dead. They all have kids. And now. well, also too, this is this is kind of an in joke, but you know, Corey has been watching a lot of K dramas this year, and there's like a running theme in like every single one that there is an orphan. Multiple orphans. And now it's like, well... And all these orphans don't have parents. 
as Black Dynamite would say. And it feels like, yeah, I they... can't wait for the crossover of Black Panther and Black Dynamite working on a case. Oh, Black Dynamite will kick the shit out of Black Panther. <laughs> it's not a versus crossover. They oh, they fight together. together. And then you get Luke Cage, and it's just like, you know, game over. But anyway, um, but yeah, so basically uh, T'Challa had, uh, you know, a son yes. before, you know, he hopped off the moral coil. And yeah, and so, and, and of course, he's also named T'Challa. So obviously they're yeah they're, they're and I, I leaned over to Corey after that ended and I said you know we already have House of the Dragons yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you have your female you know queen you know you have female queen but <laughs> you have your queen but then you also have like the son of the king yeah so they're playing the extreme long game setting up the post Shuri Black Panther too. Well, that's yeah, true. They have the, the Kang movies coming up with time travel, so we're probably going to uh, see There you go. Up. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. Well, the audience in our theater ate that up. I, I thought that was a little, like, I thought it was a little cheap. You know what made it work for me? You like the scene? Yes. It, it worked because it happened after the first batch of credits. Mm. Because if you had ended the film that way, it would have been... It would have been just, it would have been a lot to put in at that very end. It would have like weighted it too yeah. much. It's still the ending of the movie, though. But the thing, but I say technically no. <laughs> because the perfect way to end that film is with Shuri sitting there on the beach burning that yeah, dress. That's a good ending. And that's it because the credits roll right yeah. after that. And then you put on the rest, and it's like, okay, this is the place where you can put it. It works better that way. Yeah, I I don't think for me I don't I I don't like it that much. I, I get why they're doing it, but it's just you... they bowed to the recast to channel people online. <laughs> <laughs> now they have a now he's a now he's a small child. Yes. Hey, uh, we can still get kid Black Panther adventures. Yeah. Black Panther um, babies. I yeah. like that it retroactively explains where Nakia was for the past six years slash however many Avengers movies Black Panther was in that she wasn't. Because I was like wondering about like, oh, she just... Which they didn't have to do because I forgot she existed. <laughs> wait, wait, really? Yeah. It's been I, a while since I've seen Black Panther. I, mean, I didn't forget that she existed. I, like, I, I knew she would come back in the story at some point because she was like in the trailer. I remember Shuri because she showed up in Endgame. And the lady with the spear, but I don't remember the other one because you know she wasn't there. She was all exactly. raising her illegitimate child. You could have. She could have not. So been do in you this think? Movie, oh, I would so not have noticed she was gone. So wait, wait. So is it the? So she did. She didn't die in the blip. No, she didn't get no. blipped. Oh, I didn't get that. They mentioned I, that earlier in the movie because the, oh, the scene when they I first forgot. go to Haiti to visit her, she says, "I'm sorry, I peaced out when like T'Challa blipped oh. out." But I just had to, like, go grieve in secret and probably, you know... I thought they were talking about when he died. No, yeah, that, yeah, I thought, like, died in, like, the second time, not, like, fake died. Died for real. He's been gone, she's been gone for years, though, and the mo in the movie... How? You know, he dies off screen in the opening scene, and then they jump ahead one year. But then later in the movie, they say she's been gone for six years. Yes, that's from true. Wakanda. Oh, so obviously she's referring to her so, grief. When but he what got they hurt. start talking about is the fact that she wasn't at the funeral. Yeah, 
And that's, so that's confusing. Well, I guess the thought is then, did he have, did he have the kid with her after he came back, like, post-blip? I assume. No, no. The kid's not old. The kid's too old to, that's Uh, a pre-blip baby. She probably uh, had the bun in the oven during the blip, which is another reason, another thing. Good thing that the blip didn't take the kid away. (laughs) (laughs) Matthew. Question. I know we're overthinking. Does the blip affect unborn children? It could. I don't know how it works. <laughs> you have no idea. I don't think they actually went into that great detail of no. anything. Actually, Jack and I watched this show called Why the Last Man that was promptly canceled. And in it, um, everyone with a Y chromosome dies, except for like one man and one monkey. And in that movie, they mention, like, when all the men go, any woman who's like, Pregnant with a male baby, like spontaneously miscarriages too. Gross. Uh, yeah. So, so it's just. Right. I want to mention though, because um, I, I we you know we talk we talk about him more like I the actor who who plays him, uh, Tano Schwerta, I think I got that name right. He's really good in this movie. So good. Yeah, he's good. Yeah. And it's like there's for a second I was a little worried like, is this performance is this going to be a little on the dull side. But he somehow manages to inject enough, like, I don't know if charisma is the word. He just has a certain personality in this role that I think worked for me. And he, he has to be, he has to be amiable, but slightly threatening. Uh, yeah. But, you know, he mostly seems to be rather polite. Yeah. That's, it, it's, it's, uh, that's. But he's not. Word. Dull polite. He's not always smiling and he's not always laughing. Yeah, he, he manages, he's the kind of person he can bring you in and be like, come check out my underwater kingdom. Oh, I need to kill this girl. <laughs> well, I thought too he nailed the gravitas of an immortal, like someone who's been alive for hundreds of years, who would probably have a very kind of different emotional register than someone with just a normal human lifespan. Yeah. Yeah. So. It does explain a bit why he's so eager to prepare for this oncoming war with the surface world. Where it's like, he doesn't see time the way we do. He says that eventually, no matter what happens, people of the surface will realize that me and my people live down here. Yeah, It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And I may even see when it happens. Mm-hmm. So I have to be prepared, and I have to also be prepared to strike. Yeah, Whenever it is... Can, whenever it is advantageous. So, you know, you do understand his his point of view better by just understanding, yes, he is this, he lives so much longer than normal humans. Yeah. And, you know, he has to look after his, you know, group of blue people. <laughs> yeah. Um, He's like Papa Smurf. <laughs> <laughs> With a uh, good, like, feathery... Uh, you know. By the way, I will say Namor has one great sh- like. He, he, there's a great shot of Namor in this film where he he looks so metal. He descends <laughs> to his throne wearing his feathered headdress, and he sits down, and the throne is surrounded by a gigantic shark jaw. Oh right, and he's yeah. just, so cool. And it's just like you can hear the guitar riff behind, like, Vang! you know. <laughs> I mean, imagine if Zack Snyder had directed that moment; it would have. It would have taken ten minutes, and it would have looked awesome. It would have taken ten minutes, and yeah. But yeah, that's just one of the the nice visual flourishes in this film. Yeah, but yeah, and it's like yeah, you. But yeah, exactly. 
I like the part when he said Imperious Rex. And I, I noticed you, you were the only one in the theater who seemed to get giddy about that. Is yeah. that his catchphrase? That's his catchphrase. Is that his catchphrase going back to like the 1940s? It is. Oh, neat. I, I see why he says it. It just confuses people. <laughs> well, you can tell it's a battle cry. I don't, I don't mind that. And I, It's like basically the people who know, yeah. know. And then, but everyone else can watch and be like, oh, he's shit's on. Yeah. Or, yeah, so then when everybody else is saying, when his enemies are thinking, hey, isn't Imperius Rex kind of redundant? Punch! Just, yeah! Technically, no. But there you go. Yeah. Um, um, I like how spooky they made the, uh, the Talakanil when they did the siren call. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Sirens are scary. Yeah, yeah, that's to have the power to just make people like fall to their death through the power through, through song. Yeah. yeah, I really liked his introduction because in one of the opening scenes of the movie, you see them willing a bunch of people to commit suicide, and you don't know the precise mechanism until later in the movie, but it's very well shot, like M. Night Shyamalan wishes. It's not, it's not very well in that first scene because you think that the music. Is just soundtrack. Yeah, that's right. And then you realize, no, this is a literal siren song. Yeah. And that's why they are jumping off the boat into the sea, where they will eventually drown. Yes. Mm. Shades of Motherland, Fort Salem. A show that has been on my to watch queue, but I haven't watched it. You'll never watch it. No. (laughs) There's so many shows on my queue, you're probably right. Um, Yeah. But uh, Angela Bassett was really good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. great, great moment. Like she's like going like God tier, and then at least a few scenes in this. Yeah. You know, I mean, she tries to dial it down, but even when like she's talking quietly, you can feel like you know the intensity. Can we just give her the best supporting actress of Oscar? Yeah, and then- I, at, le- at the least. I- I, I don't see why she wouldn't be nominated. Yeah, Michelle Yeoh, the best actress, and Angela Bassett, best supporting actress. That would be, like, my Oscar. Oh, I'll send it to the Academy. Good man. Yeah. Yeah. Damn, damn good work. Uh, I mean, although, she, she maybe she has a little... Com- no, I was about to think she has competition from Jamie Lee Curtis in the same movie, <laughs> but... <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis does really well, but I think we can agree that this, yeah. was, this was better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Awesome. Yeah, I think like Ryan Coogler, like for as much plot as he has to get through in this movie, he's, you know, he's always like getting great work from his actors. I think they must love working with him. It seems like that type of thing. Yeah, I think for me, like, I just love every character in these movies so much. Like, the characters are all, even like the supporting characters who don't have a ton of plot relevance, are just so fun to watch and yeah. so charismatic and, and and the humor thing we touched on earlier it's like they don't need to make like you know jokes that are trying to be funny you know like you know screaming goats and and all that it's just like more about just the behavior of these characters it's the, like the when they're, they're... character based where it's yeah. like where what's her name is saying like why shouldn't i do go talk to her? like as she's standing there. Yeah. And she's like shaved head. Yeah. And just they, looking they, stern. And stuff. And sure he's just eventually like, I can blend in as a student. <laughs> <laughs> and then just all the jokes about uh, Clay's, uh, you know, bald head. Yeah. yeah. You know what? You know who we do, we have not mentioned yet, who I think that deserves a lot of credit is Winston Duke. 
Oh, oh I yeah. love him. Yeah. Because not only, he did a great job in this, but I want to talk about his character, Umbaku. Okay. Who was he, he in was Black the, Panther, but not in it a ton. He was the, but he was like one of the highlights of the first movie for me. Yeah, he, he was a, he's a fun character. And in this, he really becomes like... He's matured. He really becomes like the second hero. Of, of 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 the film where it's like you see him in so many respects where he's fighting and he's just like joking around and and you know puffing himself up but also being really solemn and being very very wise yeah it's like well sherry needs like she she almost doesn't realize it once she becomes black panther that she needs someone to tell her like hey you uh you know you, you're you you need to be careful what you're doing. Yeah. And you know, she's and Shuri's not telling anybody that, you know, when she went to, you know, her vision quest place, she what do they call that? The ancestral plane. The ancestral yeah. plane, thank you, yeah. Her it's ancestral right next to all the other different planes. <laughs> <laughs> Every one of the planes in this is it, is this, afterlife. Is this purgatory? It's like no nah, ancestral plane. Are yeah. You I, no. The pur- oh, you gotta go this way. Purple afterlife is much better. Yeah. Like he, and she sees um you know Killmonger. That and, was a really good surprise. That was like yeah. one of my favorite scenes of the movie. It's just yeah, great surprise. What he says to her, how it's you know feeding into like the, her dark you know. The part of her that wants revenge. And it makes sense and, for his character, too, because even though he was a villain and he deserved to be stopped, he was also a person who really, in his own way, cares about Wakanda. It's yeah. the most, it's a very important thing to him. You've got to protect Wakanda. What are you going to do to protect it? Are you going to mess around and be noble like your brother, or are you just going to get stuff done? Yeah. Like I would have done when he killed me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he makes a, a very interesting point, you know. He's dead, but you know, there we go. Yeah, and but ultimately, then that's why I meant earlier too about like she, you know, she becomes Black Panther, but that's like, you know, she's. But then the conflict is still not. It still has to get resolved. It's not like oh, she puts it on. Suddenly she's bad at you know she's the good superhero. She she's got to do the stuff. She's got to do the emotional work <laughs> of you know all that. Maybe that's why the movie felt. That's why it was just so long because by the time you get to that point, it's to like two hours into the movie. Yeah. So it's a lot. And again, maybe this is all going to feel a lot quicker on a second viewing. That, that ends up happening, I think, for me on certain movies. But uh, yeah, and I, you, yeah, your point about Winston Duke was great. Like, I, I love his character. He does so much stuff in this and, uh, because his character goes through all those different functions. Yeah, and so he acts each of those different functions extremely well. Yeah, and there's even a moment where he's like knocked on his ass by Namor, yeah. and that's a really cool moment to me because yeah. and you can I could feel I was everyone they were gonna kill him. There was a moment, yeah, everyone in the audience was like, "Ooh," yeah, because everyone likes him so much, and it's just like he breaks his chest plate and he goes flying like you know yards, and he's just like, "Oh." By the way, you two should see this movie that Jack and I saw called Nine Days. It's really good, and Winston Duke is the lead in it, and his performance is amazing. And he plays a character like the polar opposite of Mbuku, but um, you should see that. I'll probably look. Yeah, it's... You would like it. Yeah. 
This is my job. Anytime someone says you should watch it, I will. You won't. Mbako. Um, yeah. But yeah, I I get that because I know my to watch list. I have things that have been on my mental to watch list for literally like fifteen years, and I still haven't watched them. So I get it. Nice. But mm. to be list is so long. <laughs> all right, enough so, about your lists. All right, so fi- final thoughts. Good movie. Really rousing, emotional blockbuster. I was, I, I actually was feeling a little choked up in the opening scenes um, before they jump ahead a year. Like, I thought, I thought it was really nice. I was wondering how, I was wondering how they were going to handle the character death. Because it, it is literally a death that is unprompted within the universe. And so I'm like, you can't have him die of, like, cancer. But also, but it's like, they left it vague. He died of still, movie disease. He yeah. died of being off screen for too long. <laughs> uh, but, but, the, but, but, that, but the way that's filmed, though, I think what... This is almost like something you've talked about, Corey, though, with, like, the end of movies. Like, the end of Titanic, where all the characters are there to, like see people off. Yeah. You know, yeah, like yeah. Titanic, Big Fish. It's like Return that... of the Jedi. Yeah. <laughs> Return of the Jedi. But it's at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. So that's like, you know, and then you have all these characters in the city who are kind of like dancing and, you know, chanting and they're carrying like, you know, a casket. Yeah. And it's just like, ugh. Sometimes a character, a fictional character needs a funeral. Yeah. And I, and I think they did that uh, really well, yeah. Um, I was so afraid that they were going to have a scene where he, they'd go to the ancestral plane and they would have old footage of Chadwick Boseman. Oh no, I, I kn- and I'm like, oh, God, I, here's why I knew they wouldn't do that because I would have heard about it already. Oh okay. I think because I'm, I guess I'm on certain parts of the internet that you're not on, Andrew, and I just, you know, like Reddit would have like posted pictures of that in a minute. Or maybe they knew, too, that, like, you know, people didn't like that shit from The Mandalorian, even though they keep doing it. Yeah, I hate that stuff. <laughs> if they had done that, it would have knocked, like, an entire star, at least, off my rank. My rating. If, where, if they took, like, Chadwick off Boseman's... Off 20 star scale. <laughs> if they took Chadwick Boseman's voice and did, like, some AI oh, thing. I hate that. That's a real argument. This whole film is a real argument for... There are things that you can do now. You can take someone's face and you can digitally mm-hmm. redo it. You can take old footage and you can arrange it and mess around with it. And you can take archive footage and all that stuff and do these things. This whole film is really built around the fact that Chadwick Boseman died. Yes. There was another film that was supposed to be made. And ultimately, death had the final say. Yeah. And so... And Ryan Coogler, he's, you know, a good... You know, he, he's just a good enough human being, probably, that he just knew, like, I want to respect that. Yeah. And the thing about it is, they wrote around it. They used storytelling to do the best job they probably could. Right. And it's like, it's about what the, you can do yeah. versus what you should do. Yeah. And I mean, well, I, I brought up the Luke Skywalker Mandalorian thing. Actually, the better comparison is Rise of Skywalker. The better comparison is uh, Rogue One. Ah. Uh, yeah. Well, no, but I was just thinking the way that they tried. Two people they, resurrected. For no, but, but, but Rise of Skywalker, they needlessly recreated footage of Carrie Fisher when yes. they didn't have to. Right. And so here they they could they could not or did not write around like that. most film like there a lot of other filmmakers might have had like Chadwick Boseman there in the the Purple Afterlife right 
So anyway, but yeah, so good movie. Thoughts. It would have been tacky. I'm glad they didn't do it. It's a good film. If you have five hours, see it twice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Do you have any final thoughts, Matt? Yeah, if you only see one black superhero movie this fall, make it Black Panther Wakanda Forever instead of Black Adam. <laughs> well, wait a minute. Uh, okay, I'll allow it. <laughs> yeah, mm, I'm kind of making a face like, mm, That's yeah. not black in the title. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was confused momentarily. Because <laughs> you were, you're thinking of J- Dwayne Johnson. Yeah, I was like, The Rock is in black. He's not, is he part black? Yeah, yeah. he is. He's hand. more he he's Samoan, but he's also black. I did not know that. Um, this entire ending is getting cut. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yes. Good. It's a good movie. Emotionally resonant. Great character work. Doesn't real kind of drops the ball a little bit to me on the resolution yeah. of the Namor um, plot. It's very obvious that they were just putting him on ice for another movie. Um, which meant this one didn't really have a satisfying conclusion with him, but still a very good movie, and I recommend it highly. Yeah, I'm glad that Phase 4 or whatever is ending on a decent note. This is the last movie of Phase 4? Yes. Yeah. Isn't Ant-Man Quantumania's last of Phase 4? Was it? I thought this was the end. I guess it doesn't really matter. (laughs) I don't follow all the trends. I, I thought this was. I could be wrong. I mean, it could be the end. It's yeah. all arbitrary. Yeah. So, Matt, where can people find you and where you may be sharing some more Black Panther I'm thoughts? I'm going to have a blog on uh, mattthecatania.wordpress.com about stupid comic book minutia that nobody cares about. But you should check it out anyway because I'm going to put a lot of extra effort into it. We Why? care. We, we care. Read Matt's blog instead of reading comic books. <laughs> yes. You, you get the experience of... Walking into the comic book shop and hearing from, like, the supremely knowledgeable, you know, host of the store. And you go to his blog. <laughs> right. No, I'm, yeah. So, anyway. Uh, visit us online. We're, you know, at Wage of Cinema, uh, on SoundCloud, I, uh, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to things. Uh, Facebook. Uh, Twitter. Uh, uh, <laughs> we'll see. Uh, Instagram. It might not be good to visit us on Twitter, but that's not our fault. No, I mean, if you see someone who with the handle of Waged of Cinema posting Nazi stuff, that's not us. <laughs> All right. All right. But well, Thanks, when we everybody. when we come back, we'll have something. more. We'll talk about something. You know, maybe it'll be another Marvel thing. Maybe it will be something else differently. Maybe we'll talk about like. Maybe we'll talk about a sandwich. Yeah. Sandwich, the movie. That'll be it our doesn't next. have to be a movie, just be a sandwich. We'll just talk about a sandwich? Well, I don't know. You're the one who plans these things. <laughs> All right. Go All right. your cinema. I am Jack. Trash Panda Corey. I'm Andrew. And I'm Matt. Matt. And the wages of cinema is... Forever. <laughs> That's me going underwater now. <laughs> Show them who we are.